Hi, I'm Ralph Powell, co-founder and CEO of Real Vision. Thank you so much for listening to the Real Vision podcast. At Real Vision, we pride ourselves on providing the best in-depth expert analysis available to help you understand the complex world of finance, business, and the global economy. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll accept my invitation to try Real Vision Plus for 30 days for just $1. Visit realvisionpodcast.com today and join us as we navigate the financial world together. Cheers. Alex Rosenberg here from Real Vision with another full audio version of a video that we previously released to subscribers on realvision.com. This is a really interesting conversation where co-founder and CEO of Real Vision, Ral Pal, sits down with Dan Tapiero. Now, Dan is the co-founder of Gold Bullion International, and as that implies, he has a lot of expertise in the gold market. But what he's talking about here is Bitcoin. He's become fascinated by Bitcoin. He's slowly ramped up to the opportunity, as he explains, and but recently he's had a lot of revelations that make him think this is you know could be one of the biggest investment opportunities of all time it sounds a little crazy and he admits it sounds crazy he admits the opportunity as he sees it is so big that he can sound mad so he struggles against that and struggles to kind of explain in ordinary language that any investor can understand just why bitcoin is so important so this is a fascinating conversation between dan and ral um, we filmed it in early July, published it a few weeks later on July 22nd on Real Vision. And here it is, the entirety of this interview for your listening pleasure as Ral Pal interviews Dan Tapiero. Dan, finally, we get you back. You've, your kind of previous videos were kind of cult watching for a lot of people because like, you're one of the pure macro guys. And I was doing this whole thought process about recession and bits and pieces. And I've been, I've been thinking that Bitcoin was part of, of of what I'm looking at within that framework. And you and I separately have been talking about it. And you'd been kind of hounding me from about February onwards to say, Con Rowley, got to get back into this. Before we get into your thought process and, and how you've kind of applied your own macro framework into building your Bitcoin thesis, it's just people should, because many people won't have seen you from the earlier interviews, just to go back over some of your background. And the reason that I like to pick your brains on stuff is you have a background almost unparalleled from anybody I know. I mean, you've worked with the greats of the industry, whether it was Julian Robertson at Tiger, whether it was Stan Druckenmiller, whether it was Steinhardt, whether it was Jacob Rothschild, whether it was Stevie Cohen. I mean, the list is kind of endless. And you get all their perspectives from working and seeing how they all trade. You also did, you're also a bit of an entrepreneur. I mean, you started a gold business, um, which was a crazy idea when you did, when you started it. But now, you know, it's a really interesting gold bullion international. GBI is a really interesting business. You even started, I think, the largest farming real estate business in the world with Stan Druckenmiller and managed to punt it onto the Canadian pension system. I think it's now resold to Bill Gates, I think it is. Um, your perspective is just kind of extraordinary. And, and I know, and, and that's why I trust you. You're a macro guy through and through. It's, you live and breathe this stuff. And when you start hounding me by email every, every day almost, saying, Raoul, you've got Bitcoin, Bitcoin. Okay, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that intro. Yeah, I know we haven't uh, over the years talked that much about Bitcoin. No, uh, you're one of the guys who back in 1314, I think, put it on the map, at least for the macro community. I mean, you were very bullish very early. And um, I was also uh, involved uh, early through GBI. We had in 2014 uh, integrated with the Uphold platform, which, which uh, allowed, us, uh, allowed clients to buy and sell Ripple and Bitcoin to buy and sell physical gold uh, as well as other metals. And so that was a whole year-long uh, integration. And going through that process, I, I realized, wow, you know, this is something. Uh, it, it could be big or the company is going to make revenues. And unfortunately, what happened was that it, it, it started well, but it never really became a big uh, revenue driver. Um, I can't say why exactly, but 
the, the physical gold company then also moved into other areas, uh, I guess, within crypto. And uh, even today, uh, I think we just launched, I think it's the only, uh, there are only two places where one can buy Bitcoin in one's IRA. And we partnered with Equity Trust. Wow. And, um, and now through Equity Trust, you have the ability to buy actually more than just Bitcoin, but uh, some of the other crypto as well. So, you know, it's, it's been part of our DNA a little bit, uh, GBI, and so through that and through, uh, you know, of course, your writing. And also, you know, the, the guys, there are other macro guys of my vintage who moved well, you into You introduced me to Dan I, I know, Moorhead, right? I, and Dan Moorhead. <clears throat> and, you know, there's Nova Gratz and John Burbank. And so sort of the smartest guys, the best guys my age, all moved into crypto. And uh, so uh, there's something going on. And... I, you know, I, I, I did my uh, reading, I did my work, but I never really quite committed to the concept. And I think that that, <clears throat> so I was dancing around it, but I never did the deep dive that would give me the, the confidence. Um, and then in 17, of course, you see it running, but, uh, you know, at 2000 or 3000, you decided to you know, sell your position. So I'm thinking, I, there's no way I can buy here. Because you were at that round table when, when we started getting feedback from the guys who were very early adopters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. From Chad, uh, yeah. from Emil, sorry. Yes, that's that right. He's like, you know, we need to be a little bit cautious here. Obviously. Right. Rocket it. <laughs> right. So, you know, I missed it, and, that, and that's fair. Um, but uh, earlier in the year, Jan, February, March, as you, as you had said, you know, Bitcoin was down 85% from the high. And, you know, as a, a old time macro guy, you're looking for, uh, you're looking to buy things that have gone down 85, 90% after a blow off. Um, and, and it's it's binary then, either it's a bankruptcy uh, or a fraud, or that's the bottom. And so I said, okay, let's, you know, here's a chance. I don't think it's a fraud. Um, I'm gonna buy some. And so that started a process of di uh, deep digging and research. And I, and I probably in that period, and that was when I was shooting you because I needed some confirmation. Like, I can't focus on this. I'm looking at the recession coming right. up. You're like, Bitcoin, Bitcoin. Right, and I, I, and I understood that. And, I, and, I, and, I was, and I, I'm sort of with you on that. Um, but that started a process. I, I probably spent four to 500 hours reading uh, listening to podcasts, uh, there are some there's some really excellent work out there now available um, that wasn't five years ago. Um, in terms of um, explaining, you know, what is Bitcoin? What is this, you know, phenomena? What what is it? And, you know, what what I come to see is that almost every person has a slightly different definition for what Bitcoin is, and I think that that's contributed to making it very difficult to adopt easily. And so what do I mean by that? Um, so I thought, okay, let's get down to the very essence of this. You know, yes, I understand digital payments, uh, store of value, I'm reading all this stuff. But what Bitcoin really is, is that white paper. And you go back and you read this thing, and I don't understand even half of it, but what you realize is that this is a great invention. It's not a coin. It's a system, right? It's not, you know, a blockchain. And it's, an, it's, it's um, you know, and maybe it's an invention akin to, you know, the motor engine or the invention of electricity. Uh, it's something, uh, you know, potentially a new organizing principle for for humanity, and I part of the problem was that people, when they start really digging into Bitcoin, they they end up saying these kinds of things, <laughs> which you know really puts everyone off because you're thinking, well, this is a you know madman changing the world, all of this stuff. But you know, so as a macro guy, I come at it, macro investor, I'm thinking, well, what's the value of it? What's it worth? The difficulty I always had was trying to put a value on it. I, I need to know where I, what is what I think it's worth today and what I think it'll be worth in three, four, five years and have a, a proper, uh, you, you know, proper framework. 
And I found that very difficult, you know, in, in 14, uh, even, you know, listening to some of our uh, contemporaries talk about it. Um, I just didn't, I didn't quite get it. It's because Bitcoin is a lot of things. So what it is, is it's an invention. Um, and I think it should be referred to as an invention rather than all the other things. Um, it's a, you know, what it really is, is it's a truth machine. It's a way, in a, in a way, to eradicate all fraud or, you know, lying by human beings. I mean, the whole, you know, bigger concept of certainty, of confirmation, of validity, of security, that's what you're buying. A system that, you know, now is 10 years old, has a tremendous track record, um, and I'm thinking, well, what's that worth? What is a security platform uh, like that, with that track record, what is that, what's the value of that? And I think back in the early days, you know, it was very hard to get a sense. Uh, you know, you have something that has a $3 billion market cap. You know, who cares, uh, from my perspective? You know, uh, you know, it would have been great to have bought it at $10 or $50, but I think that really was the realm of the VC. You know, I, I never, I never would have had that, that kind of vision, you know, the Tim Draper uh, early vision. Um, it was just, I, I remember going down to Barry's office, uh, Silbert, in 2013, 14, and he says, oh, Dan, you know, we have this product and we're trading, you know, like $2 million a day. And I thought, you know, $2 million a day, I, I mean, that's not, you know, that's not anything. I, it's not a store of value. I, it's, not, it's not anything. Um, so that's just from my perspective. And, and again, um, you know, just given where I was coming from, it would have been hard to really grasp, you know, to, to be all in. Um, you know, white paper, it just all was completely different, a new language. And also you had the, the, the fraud uh, component and uh, Mt. Gox and all of this, and really in the first five years. Yeah. Um, so that kept away, I would say, traditional macro people, but also just people in general. I think that, that kept people away from it and said, oh, you know, I don't have to bother with it. But for me, it was, I don't really understand how to value it. So here I am, I'm going back in uh, uh, the beginning part of this year, and I'm thinking, okay, it's gone down 85, 90%. I know it's real, how do I, how do I value it? What's the, what are, you know, so what's this security truth machine worth, right? So security truth machine. Not that's like, what it is. Yeah. I think it's a security truth machine. And the Bitcoin really is just the reward that the miners get for guaranteeing the security of the framework, of the network. That's what it is. Now, if you think about what would, a, what would it cost for a company to build that? If, if, someone, if that belonged to one person, it's, it's hundreds of billions of dollars. Think about all the man hours. Think about all the people who have volunteered their time. What is that worth? All of that time. That's a really, I mean, that's a really interesting thing because you and I know the amount, the sheer amount of intellectual capital, programming capital, the amount of people working on this space is unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, and I'm really just sticking to Bitcoin for but the even, moment. But even within know. Bitcoin, the amount of development yeah. and intellectual capital that's involved is huge yeah, over over these years like what would it cost to build that it's truly a massive endeavor something that can touch every single human being on the planet uh, all they need is a phone I, I mean it's it's kind of an incredible uh, you know you know could a company even develop that you know or it, maybe it, it and maybe Satoshi realized it could only be developed slowly over time in a decentralized way because the current, you know, uh, the, the, the structure of the way a corporation works could never work fast enough. This thing is going 24-7. Not just the, the trading of it, but the, the maintaining of the system and the, the, all the mining that's going on, it's constant. Part of the problem, I think, in the early days is that it's hard to really believe as an investor that someone invented something unique and gave it to the world for free. And so it was valued at zero in the beginning. 
if it had been within a normal uh, company structure, it would have grown to some degree, and you would have had an IPO, and maybe you know maybe it would have been worth more than uh, WeWork, which is 50 billion, or you know I don't even know how you compare it. But I, I'm just saying that I think it took a while to adopt because it it, it didn't make sense that if if you had done uh, this early digging, and you had realized the nature of the invention early. You know, to think that this could be worth, you know, trillions of dollars. You know, it was just it was it was too far. I think too far uh, a stretch. Yeah. Not for the VC people, maybe not for the private equity people, not for the technologists. I think who got in earlier, and then maybe not for the smart uh, macro guys who we've mentioned who are actually also in. You can get to numbers very reasonably that are. You know, the Winklevoss number is a, a million uh, on uh, Bitcoin and Draper is 250,000. With five, within five to eight years, there's, you know, you can start to see it because you say, okay, well, Amazon, that's worth a trillion dollars. It sells stuff on the internet. But is that as valuable as a new invention for humanity? <laughs> you know, and I, you know, that is applicable to almost everything we do. But most people don't see that. Can you talk a bit about right? That? So I think I think the and they just think most people are still stuck with, well, somebody's created something that they claim has value and right. You know, there's a lot of the naysayers would say that, but you're saying something so huge. Yeah. Explain a bit about the hugeness. Yeah, I, I think, and this is part of the problem and the hurdle for Bitcoin is that um, it takes so much work and so much digging. I mean, of every piece I've read, I probably only understand, you know, in the beginning, 30% and 50%, and then, you know, maybe 70%. I still can't understand the details of the white paper. However, I've spoken with people, uh, in one case, a founder of PayPal, in another case, a genius cryptographer, and they all say that, that it's genius. That it, it, that, and so what's behind the genius? He solved the Byzantine general's problem. And so that problem had not been solved ever. People have been trying to solve Explain that, that problem. problem. So that's the, the problem of trust, not having a central authority verify a communication um, between you and I. So uh, having a third party that we both trust verify our interaction. Yeah. Okay, so it was very difficult to figure out a mechanism to build a solution to that problem with a real-world application. And so, what's something worth? Again, the macro guy, what's something worth that solves a problem that they haven't been able to solve for hundreds of years? And the reason is, is that it's, a, it's so multidisciplinary. It's financial, it involves cryptography, and computer science, and sociology, and psychology, and economics, and, you know, to be honest, I don't think Bitcoin would have been invented without 08. Because in 08, the trust was lost, okay? The banks basically failed and they were saved. And there were people who were saved that shouldn't have been saved. Now, my response to that crisis was, okay, unfortunately backward looking, being a historian myself, <laughs> um, I'm gonna create a gold company, physical gold company, where, uh, you know, that, that stores gold outside the banking system that is fully allocated where you have your name on it. And, you know, in a way, that was my, like, that solving... That was your macro bet. Right, that was it, my, yeah. right, that was my solution to, I need... A broken system. Right, I need a way, I want to have some allocation to that because I'm concerned about that. I mean, I'm not in the realm of the technical genius to, to, to solve a, a math problem that hasn't been solved for hundreds of years, to turn that into a, a functioning system with incentives. I mean, that's part of this, is yeah, it's, that- It's like behavioral economics is all rolled into this. That's right, so how do, you, how do you get someone to maintain the integrity of the system? How do you get millions of people and millions of you know, uh, of bits of energy. I mean, using all of this energy, how do you convince someone or a, a, a decentralized group to say, hey, we're all going to work towards the security of this new platform? Right? How do you come up with that? Well, there's real math behind that. And so 
This is a mathematical solution to the trust problem created by 08. So, right? And so again, you know, GBI, my company, we, we I figured in AUK 08, I had the idea, and we launched in March 09. The white paper came out in March 09. And then had a very, you know, unfortunately, I, it was way over my head. But of course, that was the right macro uh, response to the crisis, which also makes me think that Satoshi had a very advanced sense of the macro because it was only our crowd that talked a lot about fiat. You know, fiat currency and gold and, you know, debasing of the currency through quantitative easing and negative interest rates. Well, of course, you know, so we all thought, oh, yeah, gold, right? But for someone to have understood sort of that deep macro problem, as well as all of the computer science and cryptographic uh, aspects, I mean, that does not exist in any person who I knew. I mean, so, so, so now all of a sudden you hear every Tom, Dick, and Harry on, uh, on Bitcoin, uh, on uh, Twitter, Bitcoin talking about, uh, you know, fiat this, and I don't want my fiat that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's 10 years later, but it used to really just belong in the realm of the macro. That's so right. it's really a phenomenal person or a group of people who brought all of these pieces together. And so Bitcoin people are like, well, okay, Dan, that's obvious. We knew that 10 years ago. You're not saying anything new to us. And I'm like, yes, I know. But for the macro community and for investors at large, um, institutional investors as well, not, and, and they're way behind, um, they need a language uh, uh, to understand what Bitcoin is. They need, you know, it's so confusing when you, you know, listen to, uh, you know, these different people, you know, often there, it just, there's a lot of hype. Um, you know, even like, you know, Antonopoulos, who's written his uh, two books. I read the uh, recent, the last one recently. It's a brilliant book, but you have to really go through it. You have to pull things out of it. You have to, you know, you have to constantly be upgrading your knowledge because it's also evolving and, and, there, and there's constant innovation. Um, but every, as I said, every person describes it differently. It's because it's, it's, it's an entire system. It's an entire architecture, infrastructure, and system all combined. So it has attributes of many things. Right. That's exactly what right. What is society? It's like asking philosophical questions. It's actually a ph philosophical question. What is Bitcoin? That is right. That is right. And that's hard for people who are looking for cash flow or EBITDA or whatever it is to value. You know, macro guys value things all the time that have no cash flow. You know, gold is is one. Uh, uh, bonds now certainly have negative cash flow. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who could buy bonds, but anyway, the point is, is that you know, this isn't just valuing something with, you know, with no specific cash flow right now. But you know, in the future, there might be. I mean, it might be that at some point, there's so many. Uh, places that it could go, and I'm not the right guy to, you know, to start throwing out the possibilities and all the use cases. I'm trying to think of, you know, w what is this platform worth? And I think eventually part of the value is that, uh, you know, it is, if it need be, traceable back to somebody somehow. And, you know, we've seen this. We've seen with, you know, the FBI, if they think that there's, uh, you know, some fraud or something, they can, not in all cases, but they can go back. Um, physical gold, it's more difficult. My, my only point is that uh, gold, it, it's, a, it's a hedge in the traditional system, you know, for the traditional system. Uh, uh, stocks uh, and, and uh, most people who are long stocks uh, and bonds, you know, gold is a, is a good hedge. And now with rates close to zero, you know, if we go through this thing where U.S. two years are going back down to 2%, you don't have a real hedge. It's not clear to me that Bitcoin acts as that hedge. It can, but what I'm trying to say is that Bitcoin really is something much bigger than that. And to just, you know, be comparing it or, you know, gold and Bitcoin are cousins. You know, they're both alternative well, currencies. Well, Bitcoin, yeah. That, right, the, 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 the value part, the part that trades on the screen, they're, they're alternative currencies, right? That one little, part of Bitcoin. Bitcoin really is massive. So I'm not sure why everyone is comparing, you know, Bitcoin to digital gold. Maybe they think it's an easy way to, you know, for people to understand it. 
you know, but it's not an easy way. It confuses it. I think if it were presented as this invention of a new system, and if it were articulated in the right way, I think it would make adoption easier and quicker. And, and so this leads me to, you know, think the, the, the greatest need in the Bitcoin community, again, from macro guy perspective, not, you know, someone who's involved, uh, um, nitty gritty, the leaders in the area need to either come together. Is it Coin Center, which is the advocate in, uh, in DC? Right. Um, you know, to, to, you know, maybe each of them have to put in $5 million into a pot and they have to, you know, develop a, a proper marketing and educational uh, plan. And, and I think this is important in DC as well, because, you know, this is something that the US could, I mean, is going to be a, a huge uh, a growth uh, mechanism, I think potentially could create a huge number of jobs. Uh, and right now, they're antagonistic people uh, at the, in the leadership. I think a lot of people, you know, they, they haven't done all this work, and they're listening to these little bits of information from different people, and they have the wrong idea. And so an education marketing mechanism um, funded by, you know, these guys are making a fortune now, um, I think is the way um, to build something that removes the general hostility from at least the politicians here and maybe some of the central bankers. Once they realize what it is, um, I think they should actually create tax incentives um, to get people to uh, buy in uh, somehow, whether it's buying a little Bitcoin, whether it's, um, you know, um, you know, they could make, uh, you remember Amazon for the first 15 years of exist it, it, its existence, didn't, there was no state tax. There was no state or local tax on purchases. It was a gift. You know, uh, the first $10,000 of Bitcoin purchases should be tax-free or something like that. Because this is a, as I said, it's, it's a whole framework that is hard to understand. I think owning a little bit makes it easier. And look, I haven't even talked about all the tremendous work that's going on underneath uh, and above Bitcoin, underneath, I mean, Ethereum and all these other ICOs. There are tremendous projects. There are, you know, there are, you know, a hundred exchanges. I mean, this ecosystem, as they like to call it, but I think it's sort of more of a macro system. Like I, don't a, I think it's a whole parallel system, There's financial whole, system and everything else. I just think it's a whole parallel system being built in front of our eyes, the one that we've Correct. all been asking for. Correct. There's a lot of people still too cynical to realize what is going on in front of everybody's eyes, which is plan B is rapidly becoming plan see, A. I, yeah, but I, I don't, I don't see, I don't think it necessarily that they're cynical or necessarily that it's plan B. It's, it's the future. Yes. Meaning, in, and some people are resistant to the future and others aren't. I mean, like, take Tim Draper. He, you know, he's a very smart guy. He was very successful before uh, uh, Bitcoin. And I, I almost think, you know, he's so enthusiastic that it maybe puts people off. He was on Real Vision and, but, and the same thing. But he's phenomenal. He was too enthusiastic. Yeah, and people but, were like, well, I don't no, know. No, but I know, but he's phenomenal. He's right. It's just, you know, getting the message across in an organized way would really help. And for me, I mean, I, you know, I hear Tim How Draper, do you do that I with a decentralized Dan system, right? It's decentralized by nature. So, well, I think so. This is, you, so maybe the, maybe the interesting thing is yeah. this development that everybody's going off in different directions. And that in itself is creating the whole much larger than if everyone was organized in one particular way. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. And I think that's better. I mean, yeah. I think that's, and, and that's the robustness of this platform is that it is decentralized and that it can't be shut down by any one, one jurisdiction. But look, you know, I'm an American, we're here in America. I think it's a great country and I would want us to take advantage leaders, of it. Yeah. Right, and, and I think we could be the leaders, uh, easily be the leaders in it. And if the government got behind it a little bit in terms of, now I know this is like a heresy for, uh, the Bitcoin crowd, but it would be nice for the average guy on the street, you know, who's at 60% uh, equity and 40% in bonds and has his savings all locked up in these things to, 
you know, uh, not just educate him, but like, really even incentivize him to, to expand his brain a little bit. Because that's the real difficulty, is that it takes a long time. Because there are all of these different businesses. Now, not just the, the ones that have, uh, you know, uh, that, where there are tokens, but there are also all these private businesses, hundreds of private businesses that are doing different things within this world that are phenomenally interesting. And they don't all make money, they won't all survive, um, but, you know, it's very robust. It really is robust. And I think anyone under the age, really, of 30 uh, should be moving into this area. And I would say, it, and, and I don't think you really have to be a computer genius or a programmer. I think they need people, this, this I don't want to call it industry, but the, this, this area needs people who can bring things to market, who can, you know, I think the, some of these small companies have brilliant ideas, but don't, you know, don't know their customer well enough. They're not, you know, I, you know they, they need sales and marketing people, and I think you're going to have that come, you know, from, I mean, maybe it's from some of the Deutsche Bank, uh, you know, type people, but I also and think it's more creative people, not just people who are on a, a phone doing a transaction. So when you look at the macro landscape and you see this, is this just kind of dwarfs everything else in macro opportunity land? Yeah, I mean, it's, so the thing is, I, you have to be careful with hyperbole because, you know, the answer is yes, but if you start out with that, People think you're nuts, well, and especially my, you know, all the guys I work for. I mean, I think people over the age of 50, okay, or maybe even 40, 45, have a really hard time because we're all so used to snap, uh, snatching up these little phrases from the from the Facebook or from Twitter or from what or from the, a, a newspaper article, and you know, very few people have digested the whole thing. And, and so you hear these phrases, oh, digital gold. And then so someone who owns gold will say, oh, that's crazy. Uh, you know, I'm never selling my gold for this thing that's up in the air, right? Like, I don't know what this, that's crazy. Or, but I, I actually get, just getting back to the gold thing for a second, I just think those are the people, they shouldn't be being attacked. Those are the people who are going to be the first adopters from the next group of people because they already understand the concept of debasing fiat and an alternative currency. The people who are long, you know, you know, those are your cousins. They shouldn't be attacking them. They should be sort of trying to even almost combine with them um, because they're similar mentality. It's the people in the traditional investment, investment space who are nowhere near, uh, you know, they don't talk about fiat. You know, they don't understand what's gone on with monetary systems globally. Um, so they don't even get the macro. And then you're trying to, the Bitcoin people are trying to then, you know, not just explain the macro, but then overlay this super complex infrastructure network uh, on top of that uh, in terms of explaining um, why. It just, it becomes very very difficult in market. That's why so. I think it's, you know, interesting we, we looked at the trend of the people. I mean, the brain drain out of the macro into this is huge. Well... And the, the interesting yeah. one for me, yeah. because he's, he is that communicator, is Jusko. Because mm. Mark is actually really good at Mark explaining really to good. institutional people... Mark is really good. ...what yeah. it is. Yeah. Because you know, Mark, you know, yes, he come, he's incredibly personal and he gets across very well. Yes, yes. And good guy. He's a great guy. But he also understands how big a macro opportunity it was. It kind of like, was like, okay, this is it. I mean, shifted his entire business he to did. this. And, and he can communicate, hopefully, with at least some of the institutional guys to get them to understand. Yeah, yeah but you need a thousand of, course. Uh, uh, of them. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a, and I actually think it's a very small, uh, a small group who have switched over. Dan Moorhead was the first of all the people I knew. There was a bunch of guys, Chad and Emil, who yeah. were. Um, GMI guys, and you know as well, ex-Goldman guys, yeah. they were extremely early, maybe even earlier. Oh, yeah. They were Bitcoin mining from their they office because yeah. they got free electricity. <laughs> yeah, 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 they were and there. Then, yeah. And then it started, then Nova, I think, and then John Burbank was super interesting. Even Alan Howard's got a Bitcoin group. You know, um, but it's very Jim small. Pilotta, I know, but what's interesting is these are really, really respected people. Yeah, 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 for sure. So the people in... In, in politics and the leadership. Um, and I would say even the, 
the leadership of the top companies where a lot of capital resides um, in the traditional world, they're, they don't know these people and they're very far away and they're not connected. And I mean, this is an opportunity for you, I think, to create a platform to reach out to the more traditional investment world, explaining to them what is going on and why it's important. And uh, I mean, there aren't that many people who I think sit in, in the middle of all of that. I mean, you have a few people who are asking questions, but even there are a lot of VCs, I mean, very good uh, macro understanding, but it's not the same thing. So I think there's real need now. And I think it's, there's a lot of value there. Um, yeah, I yeah. think that makes total sense. So for you, look, it's a really big universe because it's not just Bitcoin, but your particular attraction right now, and it, knowing you, it will change over time as you discover new things, is you're saying, okay, the one bet that you can have is Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. But, but what do you think of, therefore, these other parallel universes? They're all part of the same digitization of the world, which is why I wrote that big GMI article this month about it, but digitization of all assets and therefore the value of everything is digital now. And this is the architecture for all of that. Um, so what do you think about, you know, how, how do you think about that world of Ethereum and all these gazillion other currencies, tokens? I mean, so what, yeah. we're trying to figure this all out, right? I, I think there's tremendous value. I mean, I, um, I think if you're new to the space and you know, you want to get involved. Uh, Wences, the uh, Zappos. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Great he wrote man. this piece uh, three, four months ago that was brilliant. He says, put 1% uh, of your uh, net worth into Bitcoin. If it goes to zero, whatever, if not, I think he almost said at one point, this was a few years ago even, it was irresponsible not to have 1% of your portfolio in Bitcoin. And I, again, again, I think you should have a lot more, but you know, that's a good way to begin. Um, to think about it. The other person that's also involved in this is Mark Hart. Mark's always yeah, a good thing for well. Yeah, and I, I listened to your interviews uh, with Mark uh, in 17. He was right on. Yeah. You know, everyone creates, because it's so hard to define in one sentence, everyone says, you know, well, Bitcoin is like this. It's like the rails for the world. Or Bitcoin is like gold and Litecoin is like silver. You know, I, I, we, I, you know, they're, they're trying, people are, st we're still trying to define it, you know, and I think that's, there are lots of opportunities, but I don't think that, you know, unless you're going to do a lot of work and you're going to be able to do as much work as, you know, someone who spends their entire life on it. I don't think you go in and, you know, you know, just buy Bitcoin gold or, you know, uh, or, or chain, uh, you know, or, or, or any of Monero, I mean, I, I, any of, there are a lot of valid uh, enterprises, but I think you can just stick to Bitcoin as an entry because, you know, that's the, that's the innovation, the invention, um, these other things. And it, but look, Ethereum is, you know, again, I'm not the right guy to talk about this, but I mean, it's programmable. Uh, Super interesting. I yeah. mean, you could do lots of things. The second layer at the conference, I heard there was a guy talking about how uh, he uh, through the there's the lightning um, uh, system, which increases the the speed of of uh, uh, transactions of Bitcoin, but also um, uh, that you can build a settlement feature into the second layer. Uh, above Bitcoin. Now, I'm not sure exactly what he meant, um, <laughs> but I listened to the presentation and I listened to it again and I took it to mean that, okay, well, Bitcoin has more flexibility than at least some of the naysayers. There are a lot of naysayers out there who say, oh, it's too slow, it's too clunky. Again, that's part of its, its strength, the solidity. And then as time goes on, it becomes more and more secure and the price of securing that network goes up in value more and more. It's almost exponential, right? Because well, it is exponential. It has well, been exponential that, all the that, way through. That's right. And so I want to get back to the value thing for a second, yes, just because I want to come back. Because to you well. say so. You say so. What can this thing be worth? And it's now two hundred billion dollars in market cap, but that's kind of small. You know, it's kind of small if you not even if you if you just see what's been built, like. You know, it would cost more than $200 billion to build that, right? So you can start to think that, you know, 
within 10 years, the Winklevoss uh, million dollars or Draper's five million, uh, 250,000 in the next few years, it's not unreasonable. And so what is the bet? The bet is to buy and to do nothing else. That's it. Unless you're gonna be involved in like a fun business and you're gonna be trading and this and that. I, but I don't even think that's, I think that's not really needed. So you become the yeah. holder, you know, yeah, the holder, classic. Yeah. <laughs> Oh God. I know. I can't I know. believe I'm hearing this from I you. I know. I know. <laughs> I, I, I can't believe it myself because I wasn't here six months ago. No, I know. I mean, you were interested, but you I weren't. was interested. But, you know, when as it, it was only the, the, the price went down so much um, that I thought, okay, now I can have some way to figure out my risk reward. But then I bought it, 5,000, 6,000, 7,000, 8,000. I mean, I, I, if it can go to that number and I'm gonna hold for 10 years, then, you know, even here, you can, you can buy, but you have to be, and look, everyone is saying, oh, well, but you have to be willing to risk for it to go to zero. And I, Not and, anymore. Well, you see, and that even, I remember even reading Dan, uh, Moorhead, who was in the Wall Street Journal, it was either January 18 or December 17, and he said it's a new technology, but you know you have to be prepared that it could go to zero. And I thought, uh, that always stuck in my head, and then as it kept going down, and then you see all the businesses forming, and all the infrastructure building, and you do all the work, it, I don't think it can be, it can't go to zero, and he probably would, would say that now too. Um, in fact, I, you know, maybe there's some superior system that comes down the road, um, but this has a 10-year track record of uh, proving that it's a bulletproof security truth machine, machine. <laughs> right? And so that's totally new, and what's that worth? Well, Draper and Winklevoss and those so, guys. The other one I've been interested in, yeah. I talked to you about it the other day, was I came across this guy, Plan B, on Twitter, this $100 trillion. Okay. And what he did was a stock flow model. Again, I couldn't understand any of his mathematics. <laughs> really clever. Yeah. I'm going to get him on Real Vision because oh, like, I'll do good. it anonymously. He's based in Amsterdam. I don't know who the hell he is. But it's like everybody's been struggling with a valuation tool. Yeah. And this guy, an anonymous guy, middle of nowhere, just dumps this yeah. complex maths and go, okay, here's how gold works in a stock flow model, and here's silver because it's industrial, puts it on a linear regression and shows you that Bitcoin is operating on an exponential increasing yeah. level, yeah, yeah. like gold. I'm like, holy shit, this is super clever, because it's even clever for valuing gold. Yeah. He's kind of solved the valuation of gold problem yeah. Yeah. in the whole equation without even thinking about it, just by solving the Bitcoin valuation. That's a good point. So from yeah. him, using the, the exponential log scale of where he's going, he's like, okay, the next halving, because of what that does for the yes. number of coins, yes. he goes, okay, the next halving is 100,000, and it's like, before you know it, this thing is worth $100 trillion. But get this, that's worth $100 trillion when the mining stops, i.e. they've mined all the Bitcoin. After that, what's it worth? Because then it's an entire system in itself. Because at $100 trillion, yeah. okay, you've got an entire, well, what's the total world money supply? Uh, people often this is Mark Hart's use it. Argument. No, I think it's 80 trillion or something. I, I, or total sure. world wealth. Um, I think you know people are trying to compare to those numbers. Look, I don't know that you can do that, but it seems to me that, I mean, money supply is just dollars or currency in the system. That's not that ingenious. No. You know, so you can get to those crazy numbers, but I, I don't see, like there's too much time that I think it will take. I mean, let's say it takes 10 years. There's so many innovations and changes and things that'll happen in 10 years. Yeah, um, that's not but, macro but, timeline, that's, that's VC timeline. I think you can, and there are lots of, I didn't talk about them, but there are lots of uh, uh, ways to value Bitcoin that are just internal to its own ecosystem like that without taking it outside and saying, you know, what's this invention worth in the history and scope of, you know, the last hundred years or whatever it is. I think there, and there, and there, there are thousands and thousands of people doing work on this. You know, that's the, the power of, uh, of it. It's, you know, normally you'd have, you know, the 10 smart guys at uh, 10 different brokerages or something doing interesting macroeconomic work. You literally have thousands of people 
you know, thinking about this all over the world. Amsterdam, you know, you have this interesting company, BitPesa, doing payments in Africa, and that's a whole other, you know, thing. And, you know, it just, there's so many applications. We haven't talked about this at all. And some of them are there now, and some of them aren't, and some make money, and some don't. But the scope, I mean, so now here you go. Now I say, oh, it's bigger than anything we've ever seen. And so the problem is you say things like that, and but it's someone, like describing the internet back in the 80s, right? It's very difficult to describe. Well, you know, so I, I had the thought, well, it wasn't my thought, I read it somewhere, that someone said, you know, oh, the internet was uh, created, uh, and, not created, it was, uh, you know, uh, the, the uptake, the usage, and who would have thought that, you know, the number one thing that the internet is used for is watching cat videos and streaming video. And he said, well, wouldn't it be interesting if the internet was just sort of the base for allowing the Bitcoin framework to exist. That in the end, the function of the internet will have been to sustain and maintain the Bitcoin world, the invention of this new system. And so that maybe, you know, years from now we'll be saying, well, that's of course why the internet was invented, or not invented, uh, you know, was, right, was, that was the use case for the internet, was Bitcoin, not, you know, Everything streaming. Else is peripheral. Yeah, though. every selling stuff online, like, oh my gosh, we, we could have figured that out, right? Amazon, right? Maybe. And I think, you know, it's not a crazy argument. So I'm thinking about, I'm worried about the global economy, and you and I have talked about it as well. Yeah. I don't know where you stand currently on this. But one of my outputs from this is just at a very simple level, very, the most simple macro level is. We go from the US having to get rates to zero, let's say. Okay. We have the ECB then having to do something more extreme, and we have the BOJ then having to go more extreme again, right? That's the typical pattern. So we end up with extraordinary world, whatever that is, MMT plus whatever, okay. whatever it looks like. So you start to think, well, obviously Bitcoin and gold, both of them look like great options. Yeah. Just options on something. I think Bitcoin has the potential to be the larger option for the reasons we say, because you basically, it's an option into, as I said, something entirely but different. It, and it, but it's a total, it's a different bet than gold. Yes. It's a it's different completely bet. Completely different it's a, bet. It's, yeah. And so, so that thesis for you holds up as well from a macro perspective, that if things get ugly and central banks get, there's more central bank largesse, then it's got to be a net beneficiary into Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah but I mean, I know it's I not think your Bitcoin, reasoning. No, I think Bitcoin does its thing on its own. Yeah. Meaning that people will start to realize what I am realizing, what all the people in this space uh, who are really committed, what they see. And um, so I think it's almost on its own. Uh, yeah, it's helpful if, if rates go down. Gold, uh, gold will respond uh, because, you know, I think... Gold is, is interesting now because, you know, most of the world just owns equities, and at least in America, but also in other places, lots of equity holdings. And when, if equities go down, uh, there's no hedge because the bonds can't really go much below zero. We've seen they can, but that's not a great hedge. If you're concerned about, you know, if you see the drop, and, and for me, the most important thing going on now macro is this massive drop in prices. You know, it was the ISM uh, price component, and it, in the last four or five months, it's just gone straight down. I sent you that chart. Yeah. And that's a very scary chart. Um, and it, it shows that, okay, now Fed is nowhere near their uh, target, but everyone has misevaluated the degree of price compression. And the Fed knew it six months ago. We never got close to any target. So, you know, th that's the, the challenge is how do you get to a place where you stop deflating? And, you know, you have uh, the, the, the web, uh, you know, uh, the uh, Amazon uh, uh, effect and all of that, which is talked about all the time. I mean, that's real. You know, I think that's real. You have a home advisor thing. I needed a new air conditioning unit in the first floor of my house. And uh, my guy who I've had for 20 years quoted me a price. I thought, that's crazy. I mean, that's nuts. I go onto the web, home advisor, the uh, air conditioning guys who are in my uh, area. I said the problem. Within 10 minutes, I got a call back, a guy 
gave me a price that was 15% lower. I just went back to my normal guy. I'm like, look, that's the price. And uh, he basically said, fine. So, you know, oh, you're a great, great client, etc. So things like, and I wasn't aware of this. I just said, you know, he, the guy's ripping me off. I know it. You know, even if a guy like me is doing that, right, everyone else is. And so that's, that pressure, uh, and certainly in Asia, I mean, and how adept and facile they are, I mean, um, and so that pressure just continues. And so the issue really is how much can you pump in, right? You're saying MMT or more rate cuts or whatever it is. And so what happens is, is gold does become the, tra the, the hedge for the traditional world. Um, because as the rates drop, it will go up. It is very sensitive to uh, liquidity, changes in liquidity um, from the main central banks. Um, and it has a lot of other things that it, it responds to as well. And I think Bitcoin is its own thing. It'll yeah. do well in that, but it'll do well if that doesn't happen as well. So I... So it's, it's going I, up. It's, yeah, well, I, I think so. I think it's just about, you know, look, it, uh, about having the time and patience and uh, not... Uh, and, and just having the allocation and not being too cute about it. Are rates going to zero? Well, I... I uh, I think they're going all the way back down. Maybe, right. I, I don't know if it's zero no, or whatever it, it is, but you, you know, know I mean. at the round table in California, we had our favorite trade and I said my favorite trade was the two-year note. Yeah. And I, it's pretty much dropped. And you know, I think Stan said he thinks it could, he could see it down to 50 basis points. That's right. I mean, you don't have to listen to me about that. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I think that's... Stan's telling us. He, yeah, he's, he's long. He's yeah. long. People like so, him and, and Alan Howe, they're all long euro dollars, two years. Well, and also, you know, I mean, uh, I think it was about a month ago, I mean, Paul Tudor Jones came out and said his favorite bet for the next two years is gold. That was, I don't know if you remember that. And yeah, then, yeah, yeah. And then it rallied 10%, um, and it's now at a six-year high. I, I mean, I, I don't recall, you know, Paul... I, look, I, I don't know him personally, but I, mean, he, I followed him, and I don't recall him very often, at least, having a two-year view being that definitive and saying one thing. This is for the next two years. So, you know, of course, I, I can come up with my own reasons, and he has his own reasons, but I kind of think the two are linked uh, in, in a way. The, yeah. they're linked. I think you'll have more upside in terms uh, on the gold because I don't think the two years are going below zero. Um, I do. And, okay. <laughs> it is but, everywhere else. But they right? could. No, they are I mean, everywhere else. Right. They certainly could. And and again, so recession, you can still have one percent GDP, but you could have, you know, a one percent yeah. CPI will feel like a recession. A zero CPI will feel like a recession. You still could have some growth. And I hate being so cataclysmic also about it because it can, it can happen over a long period of time. It could be over the next two years, right? The one thing that I think is a little spanner in the works of that is that um, I don't, I think Trump is very aggressive. I think that the market probably has to be near its highs going into the election next year. So you might get a very severe dip now like you had in December last December, and then a panic response. I don't think Trump is going to let it, and he could do, basically, he could do lots of things. There are lots of levers uh, uh, that you can pull to push that off, you know? It, can we have an 08, like, collapse? I, you know, it just seems a little less likely because we're so aware of that. December showed you that, showed that, look, I mean, it, it, you know, we'd be talking about this in March, China, March of 18. China was slowing. They still have a big corporate debt problem. There's still a huge overhang. There are problems there now. Um, the two-year, two-year rate of change of LIBOR, which was a phenomenal indicator. Anyone watching this should go back to your work <laughs> and look at that indicator. You combine those two things. And remember, we were at, uh, what was it? Uh, we were at a restaurant here in the city, and we hammered this That's out right. in March and April. And then you throw QT on it, and all of a sudden, in December, uh, you know, boom. But what normally would have led to uh, more of a wipeout, um, you know, didn't because there's so much intervention now in the traditional markets. I think that's why the, they're so boring compared to what's going on in crypto, because things are, are known. 
You know, it you know it used to be it was uh, a handful of guys looking at Fed policy in the late 80s and 90s, and now it's thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, and there's there's nothing there. Like there's no there's no edge. edge. Yeah, you can be long the two year, and you can hold it. And if it's moving up and down month to month, you can't manage your your P and L based on you know that it has you have to hold it. I think it's a good I think it's a good view, but for the moment, until those two years get down to 50 bips uh, stands level or 1%, I think the equity can still hang in there. So yeah. we don't go into, you know, it goes down, but and especially into the election, I don't think we can go into that cataclysmic, you know, it's all over, let's get rid of the fiat monetary money system. And, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's too much. Yeah. And these things, as you know, macro, Always takes longer than to you, happen than you imagine. Than, than you imagine. To, to get so, the right answer yeah. is actually not that difficult. To get the time of these bigger events, really hard. Yeah, but I mean, look, you've done a good job, and I think that there there are people out there uh, who do it and, and and do it well. And look, you've been right on this two-year call. Yeah. And I don't think you suffered that much. You've been right on like the moments, and then you got back into gold. Uh, also, I think uh, yeah. at the right time. Yeah. And and now I think you can have that position. Yeah, I think until Tudor, until Paul comes out and says, "Okay, <laughs> I'm done with it," or maybe before then. Um, Always before. Before then, but I I don't have as dramatic uh, a view because I mean, look, we would have if in the '90s talking about Japan, you know, we all thought, you know, it, it was going to blow up, and I guess it has blown up, but it's taken. But it it have we have they felt it? Have we felt it? I mean, no. it's still. It's no. still this morass of, you know, and they have companies there that are doing great things and real estate is still relatively, you know, yeah. expensive. And so, you know, the 08 events, uh, or I'll call it 97, uh, 98, you know, Asia and then the, those macro crisis events, they're just, you know, we already all made our money on that. Like, we already all, we did that. Like, well, you're saying it's the opposite. Is, We've got the... The upside is the Bitcoin. That's that like the right, what, complete regime change, much like '98 in Asia was. It was complete. Uh, oh, the break. Yeah, right. I think it's it's, yeah, a, it's an opposite, no, but it's, it's a constant. No, it's a constant. Does this mean that macro guys have to become optimistic? No, I, I, I <laughs> actually optimistic. That would be extraordinary. I, I think that they can shoehorn themselves into this by and look. I think within five to eight years, every single hedge fund will be trading crypto. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean in some form, you know, because what's going to happen is that there is going to be an entire system that hasn't been built yet that is going, going to grow up around it. For instance, you know, the lending market, sure. it's just started. Custody. There's going to be custody, there's going to be repo, there's going to be the people who own Bitcoin. And one, one thought, you know, it'd be interesting to know what you think about this, but I'm starting to have this feeling that Bitcoin might actually not be the thing that gets spent and used and that it might be something totally else right. because everyone in the space i mean may 22nd is bitcoin pizza day right everyone knows that that guy spent 10,000 bitcoin on two slices right and then you have winkle voss also talking about how he paid for his galactic uh uh branson flight with bitcoin and then at the conference just now uh a guy said he paid thousands of bitcoin for a cup of coffee in the early days so everyone who's bought or who owns like is hearing these, you know, remembers these stories. It's like almost a meme, like, oh, Never ha, sell. right. You were Never the guy, sell. you know, who blew a thousand Bitcoin on that. So, and I think that's okay. And that also contributes to the robustness and strength, right? Of it depends the, what layers you build system. on top and the stuff right, around it. Right, but I think that's all, and, and I don't just mean like the, the normal financial architecture, the, the lending and repo and the, uh, the collateralization of Bitcoin. Um, uh, using it as collateral to be able to buy other things. I think that's coming also. Um, I, I, so I don't, I don't know how it'll work. I mean, maybe it is just Satoshis that end up getting transferred back and forth. Or maybe it is Litecoin, or maybe it is some, you know, thing Something that else, hasn't, yeah. we haven't, hasn't been, you know, hasn't come around yet. Anyway, I tell everybody who's under 30, you know, if they're looking what, you know, about, with, about something to do or their interest, what go should I do? This. Do I go to a macro hedge fund? I, uh, you know, 
probably not unless you're going to be doing something interesting like this. Brilliant. I mean, look, yeah. it was a really good tour around some really big concepts, some good ideas, yeah. a bit of old-fashioned macro, the whole thing but as th ever. This is what we do this every week anyway. So, <laughs> right. you know, I just came in here to, you know, see you face to face. Perfect. So, well, good. good to see you. My we'll pleasure. get you back Anytime. when Bitcoin's at 100,000 next. And gold at uh, 5,000. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. That was one hell of a conversation. I. Dan is a really old school macro guy. And, you know, he's about currency crisis and, you know, current account and balances and this kind of stuff. When Dan comes in almost breathless with excitement about Bitcoin and how big the entire ecosystem that's developing, in terms that I've never heard him talk before, and I've actually not heard many people speak before, I pay attention. This is something truly extraordinary. And to hear Dan come at it like this, that it's like dwarfs all the other opportunities, I think is very important. But it also works with the, with the recession narrative that we've talked about. Dan kindly talked to us about gold and how he sees that fitting in. And also his two-year bond trade, which is the same trade that I have put on a while ago. And I brought many people on Real Vision through from October last year, which was the Eurodollar trade. So really interesting to see how all of these things come together and how they really could offer us not only a future of making money over a recession cycle, but maybe the future on the other side of it too.